It's been wonderful to go through the book of Galatians. We're coming towards the end of the series, kind of in the last chapter and celebrating the pure gospel, no additives. I just saw this recently, uh, rat poison. I didn't know much about rat poison, but rat poison is 97% harmless. Almost all of it is harmless. It's just that little bit that makes it poisonous and that really ties into the gospel. It has to be the pure gospel, no additives. You don't put your faith in some of the promise of God and just a little bit in your performance. If you pervert the gospel at all, you take the power out of it. It, Your life is in a one-chip, red or black scenario. Are you putting it in your performance, in religion, or are you putting your faith in Christ? You have to pick, and I encourage you to the pure gospel, and that's just celebrated and preached all throughout. Galatians, what you do cannot save you. Becoming a good person and doing religious things does not save you. But I'm so glad as the book turns towards the end, what we're not saying is what you do doesn't matter. See, what you do doesn't save you, but that's very different than saying it doesn't matter at all. You've got to get the categories right in your head because the rest of the book shows us what we should do and what we do does matter. And it's not that hard, I think. We can get, you know, all worked up about it, but I think we can understand this quite easily in our own lives. You know, think of somebody you love unconditionally. Maybe it's your spouse, your dog, your kids. I don't know. Take a pick. But if you think even of your kids, you know, if you're a parent, right, does your, is your love for them conditional upon their behavior? Do your kids have to earn your love, parents? No. It's unconditional. Now, parents, does your kids' behavior and how they live their life matter? Yes. Right? Like, I love my kids. That's unconditional. But I don't want my kids to be raised as no scallywags. They're in a real pirate phase. Sorry, it's an irrational fear right now. But Jake and the Neverland Pirates, it's decent, but whatever. So, right? Like, I don't want my kids to be hooligans. Like, how they live their life matters a ton. But it has no bearing on my love for them, right? So, same with us and God. The foundation of our relationship is not based off of what I do. But don't mistake that to mean... What you do doesn't matter. So we're free in Christ, right? Hallelujah, I'm free. Ah, Right? We just sang it. But don't just think what you're free from. What are you free for? We just celebrate, oh, I'm free from sin. I'm free from punishment. Yes, but you're also free for something. God has a purpose for the freedom in Christ. Christ. And that's where the book kind of shifts towards the end. We are free in Christ by his grace, putting our faith in that. But what is our freedom for? So we're going to look at that in Galatians 6, picking it up in the beginning of the chapter, kind of a small passage, smaller passage today. But Follow along in your Bibles or on screen. This is Galatians 6 verses 1 through 5. Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So you start to see, okay, what is our freedom for? Okay, we're freed from the Old Testament law. We're freed from religion, thinking, I got to do all these things to achieve God's love. We learn, okay, I can't achieve it. I can only receive it. Kind of interesting in this passage is Paul has just been bashing on the law, but now he reintroduces the word law in a positive light. It's not the law, it's grace. But it's not like once we're free from the law, it's on to just lawlessness. Yes, we're freed from the law and religion, but now we move into the law of Christ, the law of love. I mean, that's a caricature, but you know, I, we can easily abuse the gospel, and I'm sure you've heard it said, okay, you know, I'm free, I'm free. it doesn't matter how I live my life, it's grace, I can live however I want. That has never been the picture of the gospel and the biblical call. I remember in college, a buddy of mine showed me a, you know, it was a YouTube of a, it was a song, I don't even remember the name of the song, but it kind of really missed the point of this. It was all about celebrating, you know, it was like a hip-hop song and celebrating his freedom in Christ. And it was, yeah, these chains can't bind me, I'm free. And then I believe he was pouring what seemed to be Hennessy in a pool of a bunch of immodestly clad women. Like, I can party like I want to, I'm free. And I was, lest I be tempted, I didn't watch all of it, so I, I turned it off. But I think me and that rapper have a significant misunderstanding of Galatians 5 and 6. It's never meant, oh, I'm free in Christ, I can live however I want. That is never the point. Yes, I'm free from the law, but now I'm under the law of love. I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a servant of Christ. So our freedom from sin leads us now in a freedom for what? And that's what he really unpacks in this passage. Okay, yes, I'm free, But what do we do with that freedom? And that's what we're going to kind of look at it. I'll break it into three. Okay, what do we do with our freedom? How do we do it? But I also want to unpack why we do it. Yes, I'm free, but for what? So first, let's dive into what do we do with our freedom as Christians? I put it in bold. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So what does it look like to be a Christian? How should we then live as a Christian? We should be burden bearers. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. The law of love is to help those that are being crushed by burdens. It's so funny now, even in the New Testament, when we look at, okay, I can't earn God's love, but then I still judge, am I being a good Christian? What do we always base it off of? Am I reading my Bible? Am I going, you know, to Bible study? Am I going to church? Those things are good. My personal time in the Word is the most important practice I've learned. But make no mistake, you know, that helps me tune into the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit 
Look how much of it is played out relationally. It's not just, oh, am I doing all this? Am I right with God? Okay, am I walking with the Spirit? How do we know that? Am I walking in love? Am I living that out? Even when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, how much of that is played out relationally with other people? Love, joy, peace, patience. That's what we went through last week. Love, by definition, is other-centered. Patience. Walking in the Spirit is lived out with patience with others. Kindness, right? That is clearly relational. I don't think that's talking about kindness to self. Like, yeah, I'm walking in the Spirit. I mean kind to myself. I bought me a mocha the other day. Little gift from me to me. I believe that's played out by how do you know you're walking in the Spirit? Okay, you're living in love towards other folks. We still judge it just on our own practices. Those are helpful to tune in, but to walk in the Spirit means we bear one another's burdens. Now we can, you know, overthink this, but I don't think you need to know Greek to have understanding of this. So keep your eye open for people that are really hurting. For someone that's being crushed by the burdens of this world, help them. See somebody's life who's buckling, and man, their life is kind of jacked up and they're hurting. Come alongside them. Help them get their life back together. That's what we should be about as Christians. I'm so grateful as we get into this passage, because sometimes, you know, my burden as a pastor is to try to figure out the application. You want to know the application? That's all it is, is application. Did you guys miss it over here? Ha! I don't need to get into application. It is application. Bear one another's burdens. Find somebody buckling under a burden of life. Help them carry that burden. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. I was thinking about the idea of like a spotter, you know? Like, you ever see that in the weight room? A guy who spots people. You know, the guy standing behind the guy lifting weights. Now, if you're only listening to the audio podcast of this and not the video, I use this illustration because I'm super yoked. Like, I'm totally ripped. Like, I lift mad plates, bro. <laughs> they can't see. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> right? Okay, but even if you're not a meathead like me, of course, right? But everybody knows you need a spotter, right? You shouldn't lift without a spotter. That's obvious. So especially if you're doing heavy weights, right? And even again, if you're not in the gym, you know that. That's the guy standing behind. And what's that dude doing? Okay, I'm here to encourage you and support you. And when this weight gets too heavy for you and it's about to choke you out, that person helps you lift that burden so it doesn't crush you. So as Christians, that's what we should be. We should be spotters. We should help bear each other's burdens. There's a couple of things. I think we can only truly do this as Christians because part of being a spotter, why we fail to do this you know, for a spotter, you need to be attentive to the person lifting weights, right? Like, nothing like a spotter who's just, like, checking himself out in the mirror. You know, your dude's getting choked out. You know, he's, like, flirting with people in the gym, like, hey, you know where the weight room's at? Never mind, I already found it, right? <laughs> Dude, like, you know, he's crushing the guy. Like, right? You got to be focused. I got to be watching. But why don't we live out the law of Christ? We're so self-centered, right? We're so consumed with our own issues that we don't see the hurting people 
around us. And I don't think it takes long if I stop being consumed with self to find a hurting brother and sister, you know, in Christ in my church hurting. And that's part of, I think, why you can only do that truly as a Christian, because guess what? As a Christian, what do I know? My burden's been lifted. The debt of my sin has been lifted, and now I'm free to help you with yours. My identity, my eternity is secure. And so I don't have to be just perfectly self-centered. I can be attentive, looking for somebody who's hurting and come alongside them. That's what it means to be a burden bearer. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. That's what we should be as Christians. That's what we should do with our freedom, be burden bearers. And it goes beyond, I think even the world would celebrate this. Right? Like, who doesn't? That sounds nice. Just celebrate. Man, come alongside, you know, when a runner falls and people come and pick that runner up. That's beautiful. We should be about that. But this passage goes further than that. Because I think everybody would celebrate helping somebody that's hurting, helping a victim. But understand, this passage is far deeper than this. It's not just for victims. What does it say? But if anyone is caught in a transgression. So I don't just bear burdens of those that are victims of this world. I embrace some of the consequences of somebody else's bad decisions. Not in an enabling kind of way, but somebody, that's the primary context of this. Somebody who's made bad decisions, their life is a mess because of that. I don't just get to wash my hands of that. Well, that's, their, that's not my... No. I owe everybody a debt of love. So yes, I'm free from my debt of sin, but now I have a debt of love upon particularly, primarily, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and of course the world as well. So I don't get to wash my hands of it. And so if somebody is caught in a sin and they're experiencing the burden of that, it's my job to help restore them. So it's easy to celebrate the first, right? So as Christians, what should we be? Burden bearers. We should comfort the sick. But yet as Christians, we should also confront the sinner. That one gets a little stickier. So yes, we need to help the hurting. Yes, preach it. Okay, we should lovingly confront the sinner. Like when's the last time that you did that in a biblical way? To like somebody's caught in a sin and you lovingly try to restore them. Man, that's tricky. That's sticky. That's very uncommon. That's very countercultural. The only problem is it's clearly biblical. So that's what we should do. We should comfort the sick, but we should also lovingly confront those sinning. And that's for believers, too. As Christians, we're known as being judgmental. We, need, we don't need to make it worse, right? Like, that's not for people in the world. This is, you know, somebody in your circle that's a brother and sister in Christ identifies a Christian walking in sin, and they're experiencing the oppression from that sin. We're supposed to help restore them. So what we do is pretty simple. Like, that's pretty clear in the passage. But I think Paul understands, right? Like, this is a landmine. Like, that is a 
difficult thing to do. Nobody wants to do that. Like reach out to a brother like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Oh, what's up? Why are you calling? Well, because you're a sinner. And I'm quite spiritual, so I'm going to help you, thy weak sinner. I'd rather you not. Right? So not only does he tell us like, hey, this is out of love. You should do this. But he realizes, okay, nobody wants to. You're probably going to mess it up. So it's like paint by number. Here's a lot of things to keep in mind to help Okay, how do we actually do this? Because I understand it's super uncomfortable and very difficult. So let's start to unpack, okay, how do we do this in a loving way? All right, first, I would encourage you to do this slowly. So when he says caught in a transgression, that's a pretty strong word. So part of what's going on here is you're looking at a significant sin in somebody's life. And the words we use often is like, okay, it's not just a mistake. This is kind of like ongoing, unrepentant, significant sin of somebody, you know, in your life that's a brother and sister in Christ. Okay, so I'm encouraging, yeah, we should lovingly confront the sinner. If that message got you excited, like, yeah, don't do it. Like, you should not be excited about this venture. Like, man, thanks for the green light. I got so many calls to make. Roger, you're a sinner. Frank, you're a sinner. You know, like, calm down. This should be, like, uncomfortable, and you should not be excited about this venture, right? So do it prayerfully. Like, if you haven't prayed for them to be repentant before you talk to them, don't do it. But if you're to that point, man... Ah, this is significant. I've prayed about it. They just don't, you know, part of that is caught up in a sin. Like, they, they don't see it yet. And so there should be a slowness to it. Like, nobody wants to be the sin police. Like, don't be the sin police in your, you know, circle. Nobody wants that guy in your circle. You won't be in that circle very long. So one, slowly, but it is important. It's something we should do. So I didn't say neverly, because that's not, I don't know if that's a word, Slowly. All right, second. I want you to do it purely, with a pure heart. So if I'm going to reach out to somebody, you need to make sure your heart is pure. So the passage is clear. If somebody's caught in a transgression, what is the goal? Restore them. Restoration. If that is not your heart, don't reach out to them. If you're angry that they sinned and you're frustrated, maybe their sin hurt you and you want to point that out because they've hurt you and you want to condemn them, don't do it. That's not the point. Again, as Christians, you know, thought of to be judgmental, you're not judging them. You're loving them in this moment because sin is destroying them. You don't want to see that destruction. You want to see restoration. So if in reaching out to them, there's nothing but a purity of love for them, you probably shouldn't do it. If you're to that place where your heart's broken, you're not vindictive, you're not wanting to condemn them, you don't even want to have this conversation, but you want to see them restored, then go for it. It gives all kind of help. So let's look at another one. Do it carefully, lest you too be tempted. Did you hear that in the passage? Reach out to them, but be careful lest you too be tempted. So if you're, 
you know, friend struggles with lust and maybe that's a temptation of lust for you. You know, maybe your ministry shouldn't be, oh, I struggle with this, but I'm going to head to the gentleman's club with them to help minister to those folks. Bad plan, right? So if I'm in that place, right, we do a lot of addiction recovery ministry. So if you're an addict and you want to reach out to alcoholics and you head to the bar and you always end up drunk at the end, new plan, right? So I want to reach out to somebody, but if it leads me to sin, you got to figure out another way to do it. So slowly do it with a pure heart. Carefully do it. If it's leading you to sin, you need to rethink it. And another help from the passage, and this is huge, right? Do it graciously. I mean, did you see that? This is a huge part of it. Yes, if someone's caught in a transgression, restore them what? With a spirit of gentleness. And this is the hardest part to overcome, right? Like, you think, oh, they're going to think I'm above them. You got to come graciously with a spirit of gentleness. And I'll actually kind of handle these together because they go hand in hand, graciously and humbly. And as he's telling us to reach out to those caught in sin, did you see that, that line? You know, be careful if somebody thinks he is something when he's a nothing. I'm like, dang, Paul, how do you really feel? Like going to that person, you think you're a hero, you really a zero. Don't even try it, son. Like, dang, bro, you nothing. You're nothing. Okay. And of course, it's not talking about our value. It's saying, look, when you go, don't think you're the savior of this person. This person doesn't need you to help them in their sin because you're something. You ain't you nothing, according to Paul, at least. Right? That person needs Jesus. They've taken their eyes off Jesus. You're not the one that's going to save the day, but God might use you to help point them back to Christ. So don't come in haughty. Don't come in like you're any better than them. In fact, more often than not, when this happens, people say that. Look, I'm no better than you. And I got all kind of... If you are going into that thinking their sin is way worse than your sin, don't do it. Right? Jesus, remember when he said that the log and the speck? Like if you're going in realizing your sin is like a log in your own life, if you're going in realizing, man, I'm a horrid sinner myself, I'm no better than you, that's a good starting place. And in fact, part of what you're saying isn't, I'm any better than you. Part of what you're saying is, look, I'm no better than you. I'm probably going to fall into sin at some point, so I need to help pick you up because you're going to need to pick me up. So that's some of how we go about it. And it is necessary. We're called to do this out of love with a pure heart. Lastly, and I think this is an important one, we need to do this appropriately. Like, there's a little dance here. Because the passage always also said this, each bear his own load. Now, did you catch that? So how did the passage start? Bear one another's burdens. Each person bear their own load. Like, Paul, did you get a little confused in the middle there, bud? So it's not which one is it. There is a little bit of an appropriateness. And part of what comes in is these are different words. The word for burden is different than the word for load. And I'm glad the ESV translates those different because those aren't the same thing. 
a burden is crushing and overwhelming, the load, the word he used here, is heavy but appropriate to carry. So as Christians, yes, we relieve burdens, but we leave backpacks. And that's the word for load. It's like, you know, a soldier's kind of pack to carry. Now it's heavy, but it's carryable, and a burden isn't. So some of that, you know, as a church, as we help people, one of the questions I almost always ask is, okay, what can you do? Because nobody, I mean, he's guarding against, I think, just even kind of freeloading. It doesn't matter, you know, hey, let me just take that from you. Okay, well, wait a minute. That might be an appropriate amount for you to carry on your own. So we want to help each other if they're being crushed, but it doesn't mean, okay, you know, the 80-20, and most of you can freeload and lop your burden onto everybody else. That's not the goal. So I mean, there should be a balance where sometimes you're the helper, sometimes you're the helpee. So if you're always the one trying to kind of push your load, which you're supposed to carry on somebody else, is wrong. And there are chronic issues people deal with. I understand that. But you should never be in the position where you're always the help E, right? And that's, that's just not healthy for anybody. Help me, help me, help me, Tom Cruise. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. Like, that's all you're, uh, you're that person all the time. Well, no, there's an appropriateness, but there's inter dependence, okay? So we need to comfort the sick, but also lovingly confront the sinning. Let's do it well, like slowly, with a good heart, graciously, humbly, appropriately. But I want to unpack a little bit. Okay, that's how we do it, but I want to get to some of the heart of why we do it. Because I get this isn't easy, but it's so necessary, right? I mean, burdens are crushing, and we're called to carry those together. So that's why, man, look for people buckling in life, be a spotter. But it's almost in sin, almost like stitches as well. That's the word restore comes from the word to mend broken nets. So we're the, the broken nets, we should stitch them back together. And I think that's helpful if understanding why this is necessary, particularly not just for victims, people caught in sin. You got to understand that sin separates. Go back to the garden in Genesis. Sin separates us from God. It separates us from other people, even a healthy view of self. Sin destroys and separates and isolates. And that's our job to help kind of be stitches to help them reconnect and heal back to God and others. So if you're excited to help somebody who's hurting, but not to reach out to someone in sin, let me ask you a simple question. Okay, what is more dangerous to somebody, a temporary physical issue or something wounding their eternal soul? We know the answer. But why are we so prone to help ease a physical issue? But when somebody is being wounded spiritually and walking in sin, we won't help them. We won't reach out to them because it's uncomfortable. Who am I? We're nobody. But we're one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. That's it. And so it is crucial, it's necessary that we help people and confront them lovingly in their sin 
But part of why we do this is the necessity but the beauty of it. Because this is the law of Christ, the law of love. This is who Jesus is. Dane Ortland has a book that's blowing up right now, Gentle and Lowly, based off of this passage. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, the book opens up with this passage and pointing out the uniqueness of this passage. It's kind of unparalleled in Scripture the way Jesus is describing this is the core of who he is. Like, you want to know me? And he plainly lays it out. Who am I? I'm gentle and lowly. And my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That is the core of God's heart. And it saddens me, why are so, if that is who Jesus is, why are so many churches so heavy? And maybe you were raised in that or still walk in that where church just feels like a burden and it's heavy. Listen, religion is burdensome and oppressive and it will crush you trying to do all these things to be a good person. Religion is heavy and it's a burden. Relationship with Christ is easy, and his yoke is light. So if you had a church experience where it was nothing but a crushing burden and heavy, you may have been experiencing religion and not Jesus. That's who Jesus is. So we should be about that as well, lifting burdens. And it's crazy, right? Part of the uniqueness of this passage is it's a bit of kind of an oxymoron, right? Like, you selling some jumbo shrimp there, Paul? Like, my burden is light. Burdens are heavy. How does that work? How's a, how's a burden light? Burdens are heavy. Maybe you've felt this, right? Like, something can be really hard, but it doesn't have to be heavy on your soul, right? Like, as Christians, we will walk through crazy hard things that will be tempted to be heavy, but in the midst of this hard thing, God is still sustaining you. Like, you can be crazy tired, like kind of crushed down but not destroyed, like still sustained. Like, you can feel Jesus pulling you as well. It can be, it can be crazy hard, but it doesn't have to be heavy. And that's who Jesus is, and we should model that. It reminded me of this time in my life. We need to tap in to that very heart of Christ and be burden bearers. So that's in a hospital waiting room, somewhere around 3 a.m. One of my groomsmen was told his baby was going to die when it was born. They planned the funeral and everything. I mean, this was just going to happen. And this isn't just a load that you carry. This was a crushing burden that was going to crush them. So we said, that's not, that's not what Jesus is about. And so we just surrounded them. 
and said, how about we just kind of help carry you through this time? And we just surrounded them with Christ. And that was just, I mean, I don't even know that everybody's in that picture. We just prayed through the night. Because that's what Jesus does. He finds burdens. He finds people buckling and says, let me help you along. That's what we should be about And tapping into the heart of God, God moved in miraculous ways. He spared the life of that little baby. Ellie is a beautiful girl right now. But the hard part is some of you are still in the waiting room waiting for that miracle. Or some of you didn't get that miracle that you wanted and it's crushing you. I beg of you, Don't bear that burden alone. We were never meant to do that. To be a Jesus follower is to be a burden bearer for others. But here's the tricky part too. But you also need to receive it. So I want us to be looking for hurting people, looking for somebody just caught in sin and it's destroying them. But if you're the one buckling, And about to go under, you also need to throw your hand up and let people know, I'm not doing okay. And that's necessary. I like this quote, and I think it's really helpful. Because some people believe this myth. The myth of self-sufficiency. We all have burdens, and God does not intend for us to carry them by ourselves in isolation from our brothers and sisters. The ancient philosophy of Stoicism taught that the goal of the happy life was apatheria, a studied aloofness from pleasure and pain, the ability to brace the harsh elements of life without the dependence upon others. The myth of self-sufficiency is not a mark of bravery, but rather of pride. Self-sufficiency is actually self-deception. See, I think in our culture, We have some Stoics. We still believe in Stoicism that I'm supposed to handle this and I need to be John Wayne and I need to be this hero and I should bear this on my own and it's selfish to ask other people's help. Listen, it's not selfish. We were always meant to be to bear each other's burdens. So if you're the one going under, I beg of you, Don't just sit. It's not bravery. It's pride to try to carry all your burdens alone. Remind me of an old song. You probably sang it. Please swallow your pride. If I have things you need to borrow. For no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. You just call on me, brother. Classic, right? If you didn't think I was quoting Bill Withers today, you were wrong. Right? I mean, lean on me. I love that song and I love that line. We're supposed to help each other, but if you don't let your burden show, we can't and it breaks down. So swallow your pride. Maybe, man, if you're doing okay, I want you to reach out to somebody. If you're not, reach out to somebody. And look, I know this is risky. But I want to give us the opportunity to practice this and not preach it. If you're in that place where you're buckling, 
and you feel like you might be going under, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of step out of your pride. And even right now, I'm not going to make you share it. And again, I know this is risky, but I want, if, if you know that's you, can you raise your hand? And look, it's, and if your heart's racing, like, I know that's me, but I'm afraid to. Look, nobody's going to out you. This is not shame. Like, put your hand up so give people the opportunity to surround you. Thank you for taking that step. You can put your hand down. But it's okay. Like, it's okay to have a burden that was always meant to be the design to allow people to be the hands and feet of Christ around you to help bear your burden. That's what we should do. Because that's what Jesus does. You bow your heads and pray with me. Father, I'm grateful for this time. God, I pray that this time, God, would be the beginning of restoration. God, where burdens of life can be crushing and we were never meant to bear them alone. God, you're not a burden giver, you're a burden lifter. God, I pray God, that we would begin, that we would be a church that bears one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, that we would truly experience that you are gentle and lowly. God, help us to live that out. Help us to experience that. In Jesus' name, amen.